We came here to say that you don't really want it with us. Yeah, yeah. The sports show. Going on, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Your Sports Show, a special late edition of the Your Sports Show. I am your host, Big Baby, aka the Smooth RB. To my bottom, <laughs> we have the voice of the generation, Pete Rosani. What's up, everybody? Friday night, Your Sports Show live the first time ever on a Friday night. Yeah, playoff night, too. So it's right. be real good, real good. Uh, BK Matt is on load management. No, he's actually at work, though. But shouts to BK Matt. <laughs> and the head of the Eurosports table, the queen, Queen Tay, 7K Tay. Ow. <laughs> showed off, showed off. <laughs> How's everybody? Look at blank, 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 blank. Oh, oh, you got all oh, the earrings too? Oh, 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 oh my gosh! Somebody stop it. She told, she no, told us to stop it. You know you can't get the bracelet and not get the earrings. You have to fully accessorize. The chain is coming too. This is the oh, see. Oh my god. <laughs> we ain't gonna be able. I to told you, summer twenty twenty one. It's going to be. Tay day. <laughs> Tay day, all day, every day. All day, every day. I'm coming outside, outside. <laughs> I'm vaccinated, vaccinated, and ready to go. How, how was everybody's week? <laughs> <laughs> it was fine until right then and there. <laughs> yeah, like that's gross. <laughs> like, uh, it's not, but I, I didn't, I didn't. I love you, Tay, but you know that's like we also be, we, we also, like I'm like I'm right. some troll. Right. We no. also we, we also we also talk about worse. So yeah, it's just, <laughs> we definitely we definitely you guys don't play me like I'm no troll. Oh, no, no, you're not. You's a beautiful woman, but you like oh. this sister, Tay, <laughs> and I don't need to be hearing that from my sister. <laughs> oh man, seven K. How how was your week? Oh <laughs> man. Oh man, <laughs> two guns up. <laughs> ah, my eye. Hold on, let me make a game one and three. Ah, my eye. <laughs> Yo, man, I man. tell you, man, I cannot wait to and see. When I said that. vaccinated, I meant my eyebrows. You see how y'all took it to another level? No, that Pete. I just laughed. Oh, wait, no, 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 you're not. No, you're not getting no. I'm you, the whole off camera. All right, oh, hold on, hold on. Peter, do not you don't say you, you don't say nothing now. <laughs> you don't say do nothing. Not <laughs> but seven K, how was your week? It was interesting. It was great. <laughs> I bet it was. <laughs> I bet it was. When Tay said interesting. That's a whole other level of interesting. <laughs> oh man. Um, as y'all know, you know, I'm starting the process as a supervisor position, you know, learning, you know, a lot of it is the same function that I was doing as an agent. It's just now it's now I'm overseeing people and I'm not, you know, not in the action as much. And it's kind of like, ah, I want to help, but I can't, I have to watch people do something. I wish 
I was Isn't able it to so strange, especially if people do things wrong and you like have oh, to sit there and it's like man you know you you just want to help them to get to get it done but you got to let them kind of go through that failure yo it is sick because when i say sick nikki what's going on thank you for joining us thank you for joining us <laughs> so it's sick because I'm learning the new ages. I'm not at my same station. I'm in a brand new station and I'm watching like I'm watching people do stuff and I'm like, that's not how we do it. And then if you jump in, they're like, oh, you're taking over my flight. I'm like, all right, I guess. <laughs> but all in all, it's a cool experience. I can't wait to, you know, get more into it. But we had a real interesting week of basketball and other things in sports. So Pete, let's jump right in. YouTube, know what not to do. So let's jump into quick hits. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is quick hits for the week of May 21st and a short week, but still a lot of news hitting. And let's start with news that broke just earlier today. Manny Pacquiao coming back to the ring, ending a two-year fight absence. He will be facing Errol Spence Jr., who's 27-0 and and holds two of the four belts in the 147-pound division also ranked number four in the world, pound for pound. The fight will happen in Las Vegas on August the 21st. And if that's not the big story, Manny Pacquiao's agent and promoter then in a statement said that this was the only opponent for Pacquiao. Pacquiao never backs down from real fights and will never end up fighting no-name celebrities or YouTube stars. He will always fight big-name fighters. Um, as said here. So we all know who they're talking about with this here. But Manny Pacquiao, two years out of the ring, I mean, listen, he could have pro probably fought a scrub and still got money for it. He's deciding to fight number four in the world pound for pound. Um, I can kind of understand where Pacquiao is coming from, but does this blow up in Pac's face if he loses this fight? Let's move to the NFL. Now, everybody knows what the big story is, and we'll get to that in a second. But let's talk about somebody who was in and out of the league before we could blink. The 49ers waived wide receiver Marquise Lee four days after signing him to a contract. They signed him on Monday, and they waived him today on Friday. Marquise Lee, only 29 years old, sat out last year uh, for uh, coronavirus uh, issues. Uh, did not play in last year's uh, NFL season. But now, let's go to the story that we've all been hearing about all week. And it came down officially last night. Tim Tebow has officially signed with the Jacksonville Jaguars as a tight end. He will wear number 85. Tebow will thir turn 34 in August. Has not played football since the 2015 NFL preseason. And has spent the last six years working as a broadcaster on the SEC Network and working on his professional baseball career as a minor leaguer in the New York Mets system. Now, you know, we were talking about this in the chat ever since this story broke. We've been talking about this amongst the team. And, you know, there was a question that was kind of asked, you know, about, like, 
why Tebow gets another chance versus other players, especially players like Colin Kaepernick. And I had mentioned something about Tim Tebow is money in a sense. And Adam Schefter shared something earlier today. As of this morning, the top five selling items on NFLshop.com were all Tim Tebow Jaguars merchandise. Tay, I see that face. (laughs) Next topic. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Moving on to the NBA, and we will get into the playoffs and the play-in tournament later on in the show. But let's talk about a a record-breaking moment for the NBA as the number seven prospect in the ESPN class of 2022, Sterling Scoot Henderson, has become the first non-draft eligible player to sign with the NBA's G League Ignite program. Um, He's the first high school junior to commit to the Ignite program, uh, and due to his age, will become the first player signed who is not NBA draft eligible in one year. He will be graduating high school a year early, and because he will not turn 19 until 2023, he must spend two years in the G League Ignite program. So, I mean, the kids graduating a year early can't get mad at them, but we're now seeing more and more options for kids bypassing college. And we can talk everything we want about college and the non-paying system and all those other things, but I don't know. I'm a bit of a traditionalist. I think there are a lot of things that college gives to young men and women um, that going straight professional at such a young age just does not give them especially, um, you know, knowledge and just world experience that they could get in in college. I get a lot of these kids just staying only one year. Um, but still, I mean, it, it's, it's something to kind of bridge them. And I, I don't know how I feel about 18, 19-year-olds going into a fully professional environment like this. We've had it happen before. And that's how you end up with the Kobe Bryants. That's where you end up with the Kevin Garnett's. And sometimes that's how you end up with the Kwame Browns. But and more times NBA, not you end up with the Kwame Browns. No, not even. The the problem is the NBA is now no, well, not the problem. The NBA is now more well equipped to help assist those players transitioning from high school to the league with the G League and night system. And I do get it, like there's nothing like the college atmosphere and and then the other side of it, well, the college players don't get paid. But the majority of these players are playing to get to the league. Why do I need to play in college if this is my, my you know, fast track to the league? It's either you're good enough to play and you find out in those two years of that year in the G League or you're not. But I think what's interesting, Dre, about that is these kids, the minute they do that, they lose any college eligibility. And if, if, if a player flames out, if a player's not as good as – and we have seen top-ranked college players, number one draft picks, all of these top-height players not make it, right? And, they're, and they're, their NBA career is done by the time they're 22, 23 years old. And, and now they – yeah, they can go back to college. And I always go back to the story of David Wesley. David Wesley came out early, went to the NBA early, uh, and then when his career ended – he went back to college to get his degree and he went back to his alma mater. He told the story about like how, you know, how soul crushing it was 
to be walking around that campus and everybody saying, oh, you're so-and-so, you're so-and-so, but he's nowhere near that person, like in his own mind. He's nowhere near that person that they see anymore. Um, and now you're talking about a 22-year-old kid, no world experience, no college degree, NBA career is over. God, hopefully they've saved some kind of money off of those G League contracts or that first NBA contract. I mean, what do they have left? Their entire basketball career is over now. And they're still in their prime. What What are your thoughts on it, Queen? I mean, I hate that Kwame Brown gets the flack for that bust and the, and the, and the, and the NBA doesn't get the flack for it. Just being honest with you. Why is this picture teeth? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I think you have to be an exceptional talent to be able to make that that transition from high school straight to the pros. Um, I think that it's not a fair um, it's not fair to these these kids. To be honest with you, I mean, thankfully, some of them have had the right type of, I would say, career. Oh, I'd rather see her face. <laughs> okay. Um, I'd rather have them have something to fall back on because putting an all or nothing type of career prospect on the back of a 17, 18 year old kid can go one of two ways. Either really good, like you said, in the uh, events of LeBron's and the um then the Kobe's and the KG's and such, but those are unicorns, you know. And I think that if you're really good, and if you're that good, you could be that good in two years. Right. Right. I, I agree. I, I do I, I do agree in, in that sense. I just think it also depends on the player and what they got going on. I, I'm never going to tell anybody who's coming from the dirt to not take an opportunity that's right in front of you, college or, or not. Or because um, sometimes it's all or nothing for some of them. So like, but I do, I do agree. Having something to fall back on, yes, is important. And I think the NBA and probably NCAA should probably work on something like that. But as we all know, they don't really get along because of the one and done rule and, and all all the mess. But what's the next topic? What's the next uh, um, story? Going into Major League Baseball last week on Quickies, we talked about. Uh, how there have been five no-hitters in baseball. Uh, and as of this week, we now have a sixth. As Corey Kluber, 35-year-old Cy Young winner on the Yankees rotation, throw his first career no-hitter and the sixth total in the majors, the fastest ever, we've reached this amount of no-hitters in this amount of time in the season. And when he beats the Texas Rangers 2-0, Kluber actually played for the Rangers for all of um, one inning last year uh, before getting hurt. Uh, and again, the MLB record for no hitters in a season is seven. It's been done four times, 1990, 1991, 2012, and the last time in 2015. We already have six, and we haven't even gotten to June yet in Major League Baseball. This is a major thing. And there was an article that came out on ESPN.com, I do forget who wrote it, where they asked, if this amount of no hitters this early in the season is a bad thing for baseball, what do you think? No, it's 
either the pitching is really good or the players don't know how to swing right now. I'm going to go with the pitcher not be the pitchers being extremely good. I don't want to take anything away from these, you know, these batters, but these pitchers are on fire right now. Now there's two teams that that happened to get no no twice, but yes. like, but three teams actually now three, three teams. teams. So yeah, so three teams are part of the no hit list, basically. Now you you're waiting for somebody to get a complete game, like I I don't I don't know I I, I mean at this rate I'm wondering when's it gonna, when's going to be a perfect game this season. <laughs> What's going on? What's going on? Yeah, somebody's going to get a. Somebody's gonna get a uh, perfect game. Like somebody's gonna get a perfect game, and it may happen. It probably happened more sooner than later. All um, right, and so now let's go to the last story we have in Quick Hits, also in Major League Baseball. And you knew it was just a matter of time before something happened. Remember, early in the season, we spoke about how the Chicago White Sox hired 76-year-old Tony La Russa to be the manager for the team, the oldest manager in the majors, managing the youngest team in the major leagues. Totally forgot and, about that, but thank you for reminding me. <laughs> and earlier this, uh, on Monday night, Chicago was winning 15-4. to In the ninth inning, uh, a position player was pitching for the Minnesota Twins, uh, so they didn't have to use any more pitchers. Uh, Designated hitter Yermin Mercedes was on a 3-0 count. Three balls, no strikes. And anybody who watches baseball knows that the unwritten rule, the unwritten rule in baseball is you always take on 3-0. You never swing on 3-0. That is an unwritten rule. For almost as long as I've been alive, I've kind of known that, especially as a baseball player. But what happened? He was given the take sign, and uh, Yermin Mercedes swung anyway at a 47-mile-per-hour pitch that was right over the plate, and he hit a home run. And uh, Tony La Russa said on Tuesday, quote, big mistake. The fact that he's a rookie and excited helps explain why he was just clueless, but now he's got a clue. Uh, and if that wasn't the biggest story that came out of it, CC Sabathia, uh, former Yankees pitcher on his R2C2 podcast with Ryan Rucco, uh, said, I'm going to do my best to bleep this here. That's just effing stupid. It's stupid, period. I'm sorry. The, 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 the ish is terrible. He shouldn't be effing managing that team. And if you're not going to step up and have your players back, what's the point of being the effing manager of the White Sox? Ish is stupid as, as F. Sorry. Yet a game wasn't over. If you're going to put in an effing position player in there to pitch, guess what? He's going to he's gonna lob ish over the plate. We're going to effing tee off. If you don't want that, put a 10-rule run up there. If y'all don't want to see people getting embarrassed, you don't want to see position players pitch and people swinging on 3-0 counts and all that ish, then make it a 10-run rule so the effing game would be over and you don't have these, these stupid-ass unwritten rules. Um the story kind of continued because on the next game on Tuesday night, the White Sox threw behind your men Mercedes as kind of a retaliation for the embarrassment. Uh, and Tony Larusa didn't really seem to care about it and actually said to reporters, you know, that's what he gets for breaking the unwritten rules of the game. You kind of got to pay for that. Um, White Sox have said there's no plans to fire Tony Larusa, but uh, what do you think? I mean, 
I mean, again, as a baseball purist, I get the unwritten rule thing, but at the same time, I mean, the kid hit a home run. It's not like, not like the kid swung on three zero. Let me and let me ground it out to first base. Let me tell you something, right? And this will be an episode in the future when there's nothing going on in sports. The unwritten rules, especially for baseball, I don't give a damn. <laughs> like, like, I wish I was Matt right now, and I, I can bleep it myself, but I'm not going to do that. I don't care what nobody says. You lobbing the ball over the plate and the game is still going on, I don't care how much I'm up by. That's I'm swinging that bat and it is going, going, going. I'm I do not care about none of that. Don't have people who can't pitch out here pitching. Don't have pitch like come on. I'm <laughs> I'm reading the chat. Dave <laughs> killed me right now, but <laughs> but I don't like unwritten rules. There's unwritten rules in basketball too. I I get because I'm a basketball player, Tay's a basketball and a football player. So, so you know, and you play basketball as well. So we understand there's certain unwritten rules, but the baseball unwritten rules are terrible. Right? Like it just seems like like they're just there to, to stroke the egos of some of these players, bro. And it, it, it's it's I don't know. I I don't know, but it is what it is. <laughs> so I mean, it's and a lot of it is, and again, I get it. A lot of these are just rules that came out from back in the day. So a lot of it is about respecting the game, but and the game has changed. But you know, the one thing is, you know, a lot of these old school managers. You knew this was going to happen at some point with Tony Larusa, like that old school mentality. You know, just will ne- it's not going to die. I mean, I don't, I don't blame Larusa, but I also don't blame the player. I, I agree with what you said, Dre. If you don't allow something across the middle of the plate, and I'm gonna smack a home run. I think Larusa again. If the kid would have grounded out to first base on three zero, you know, get upset at him. Kid hit a home run. Let's not let's not take it too far. At all. At all. Don't get don't get upset upset at all. And that was <laughs> quick hits for the week of May twenty first. Today's the twenty second or twenty first. Okay, I lose track of days because now my days off are changed. I'm working nine to five. So, yes, thank you, Pete, for quick hits. Let's jump right into today's topic before Tay gets herself in trouble. (laughs) So. I love that beat, by the way. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I found it on like a mixtape, like a hoops mixtape. I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be good." I and I heard this like ten years ago. I'm like, "Oh yeah, yeah, this I love is gonna it. be good." That so, TV Wonder vibe to it. Yeah, you you know what song it's from, right? New. I will send it to you. I don't have it offhand. I have it in my phone, but uh, but I'll send it. To, I'll tell you guys after. Let's just get right into the the nitty gritty of things. Pete men- mentioned it in quick hits. Kaepernick, T-Ball. We've had a whole episode on Kaepernick. We've had multiple topics on Kaepernick. 
And we are back rounding the bases again on Kaepernick because now it has something to do with another player who has been out the league almost as long as Kaepernick has been, and that is Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow originally got drafted as a quarterback to the Denver Broncos. People in did football nothing did nothing for them, but when the playoffs. Seven game winning streak took him to the playoffs. Colin Kaepernick went to the Super Bowl. And if it wasn't for Beyonce, <laughs> like he would have won. See, look at them having to perform at Beyonce's concert. That's what happened. So, and Tim Tebow was told when he came into the league, hey, you should probably switch positions. As soon as he came to the league, Tim Tebow said no. He did what he did for the Broncos and he phased out. He tried to play for the Jets. Try to play for the, the the boys in in Dallas. He 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 phased out. Right. He goes away. He decides he wants to play baseball. He's really bad at baseball, but he decides to get a chance to go play baseball. He does something he's really good at, and that's commentating. He's really good at commentating. So it's Tony Romo. I said Tony Romo, and you don't start barking. But. He comes back, now he's a tight end. Colin Kaepernick kneels for the national anthem. People call it disrespectful, all this other junk. Fighting the good fight that we feel is a good fight. Not everybody's going to feel the same way we do. And I, I get it. And he's been exiled for the league. Two players. I'm not saying Colin Kaepernick should be somebody's starter on somebody's team. I'm not saying someone has to sign him to a max deal, but my question to the table, is this, again, and we're going to ruffle some feathers today, is this white privilege or is this just that Colin Kaepernick has completely fallen out of grace with the league to the point where people are no longer acknowledging the skill that he had? I'm not saying he was the best quarterback, but... He was solid, and he could be solid enough to be somebody's backup or somebody's team. He could have been—he could have been a Jets starting quarterback right now. No, dis, no disrespect to the Jets. A little bit of disrespect to the Jets, but you know, <laughs> what, Pete? I'll no, Queen. I'll start with you. All right. So first of all, I think it is a little bit of uh, of privilege um, with the Tim Tebow situation, but we also have to think Tim Tebow was more of a pop culture phenomenon in the NFL than he ever was player. So I think that they're signing on to the Tim Tebow brand more than the Tim Tebow as the player, right? Tim Tebow is now a tight end. The type of responsibility of a tight end is not that of a quarterback. So it's a little bit of a different, um, I would say, comparison at this point because I can't see Colin Kaepernick playing another role besides quarterback. And Tim Tebow, his big ass, he could play different positions on the field. You get what I'm saying? But I do think that this was more of a strategic business move than it was an example of, well, Cap should get another try. I think we are so past Kaepernick getting another chance in the NFL. I don't think it's going to happen. I think that conversation is, is way over. Is it right? No. Is it just? No. But this is where we are. Uh, with the situation, I feel as if Tebow, he, you know, I, I, I think it's nonsense. Don't get me wrong, 
I think that the fact that he was able to move in and out of major league sports like that is an example of privilege, is an example of greed and money. But, you know, am I going to say, well, you know, give that spot the cap? No, I think that in the next 50 years, we're going to look at this and be and, and notice that they're going to be on the wrong side of history. This is a history teaching moment. Most definitely. I, I, I agree with you. Definitely a history teaching moment. Um, we know Tim Tebow is, like you said, Tim Tebow is, is a big dude. Like, he's a big dude. He probably should have been playing wide receiver in college, too. Or even tight end. Or tight end. Yeah. But, Pete, what are, what are your thoughts on it? And an additional question to you, and Tay, you can answer it after after Peter does. Is he going to make the roster? Like, that's what people are not realizing either. Like, if all oh God is Tim Tebow. For me, I, Tim Tebow's everywhere. He's annoying. That's why, you know, originally I was like, oh, God, Tebow, go away. But is, is he even going to make the roster? <laughs> I mean, and I'm going to answer your second question first. I think that's that's a bigger toss-up than anything. I think he's like the sixth tight end on the roster, uh, but most of them are not very good. Um, I think their top tight end is more of a blocking tight end. Uh, the question is going to be, listen, if Tebow goes to camp and becomes, you know, one of the best pass catchers, we know the guy has the body. We know the guy can take the hits. Um if, if the guy shows that he can catch and he can run routes and he can do the things that they need him to do, I could see him making the team as a backup. I could see I could see them, if Tim Tebow was good enough, I can see them utilizing him in the way that uh, New Orleans was trying to utilize Taysom Hill for the last couple okay. of years. You know, I could see them trying to run, run him in some packages. They know he could be a big back, maybe as a running back kind of thing, a, a handoff to the tight end. and. Listen, the guy's not the greatest thrower in the world, but who says you can't run a wildcat where you snap the ball to Tebow and Tebow throws the ball? The guy can throw, doesn't throw very well, does, has, has a, a slow throwing motion, but if you have a strong enough offensive line, this is what happened in Denver, he has a gun. You know that much. You know the guy has a deep ball, right? You, you're not going to get him to throw you know, 40 passes a game and he's not going to have an 80% completion percentage. But you want to throw a 50-yard bomb? You want to throw a 40-yard bomb? You want to run a trick play, use Tebow to throw the ball? I could see them doing that. Now, why do they bring Tim Tebow in? Tay was right on it. And, and Tay knows this more uh, better than all of us, right? It's all about branding. It's all about, it's all about business. It's all about a strategic move. Yes, part of it is privilege. Part of it is Tim Tebow, without Tim Tebow, there probably isn't an Urban Meyer in the way that we know Urban Meyer, right? He won Urban Meyer two titles. Well, he won Urban Meyer one. He was the backup for the first title in, in Florida, right? Um, but without Tebow, there probably isn't an Urban Meyer in the way that we know it. So, yeah, a lot of it is that favor from a friend. He sees Tebow as a son to him. He's going to give him a chance. Um, but why Tebow and not somebody like Cat? Listen, political things aside, listen, we saw what everybody still remembers what happened in January of this past year. Everybody still remembers, okay? And what you what you find is 
when white people get angry, they get angry in a very, very violent way. And the one thing the NFL has always been about is money. Okay. And I don't, I don't think Kaepernick disrespected the troops. I don't think Kaepernick disrespected anybody. I don't think anybody here thinks Kaepernick disrespected anybody. And I think there's a large community of people that don't think Kaepernick disrespected everybody. But here's the problem. That part of Americana that thinks he did would cost the NFL money. Absolutely. And the NFL is not, not trying to put that kind of – so, yeah, they blackballed Kaepernick to save their own bag, right, regardless. Because I hate to say it. The people who are defending Kaepernick, the same people who want Kaepernick to get another job in the league, weren't buying Kaepernick's jersey off the shelves. They weren't selling out Kaepernick merchandise. I said it in Quick Hits. Tim Tebow has the top five selling merchandise items on NFL Shop today. The boy just got signed yesterday. And he has the top five selling merchandise items. Okay, and, and I'm not even this. guaranteed to make the team. That's like, right? Like, so he's bringing a bunch of money to Jacksonville. And to let's keep- talk about what he did in minor league baseball, right? Uh-huh. The only man who ever brought more crowds to minor league baseball than Tim Tebow was Michael Jordan when he played minor league baseball. When Tim Tebow played in the minor leagues. Okay, the class A team that he played he played for, the Columbia Fireflies, had a 21% rise in attendance from the previous year. When he played for the Port St. Lucie Mets, their attendance went up by 37%. When they went on the road, almost 2,500 more fans attended the games than against any other opponent. And according to Baseball America, they calculated that Tim Tebow generated nearly $1.6 million in tickets, parking, concessions, and other revenue for the rest of the South Atlantic League when he played on the road. $1.6 million. One man with a $10,000 contract. You know why, right? Because of the demographic that he attracts. The yep. prayer, the Bible-thumping South. You get what I'm saying? Yep. Like those are those are in really big football, you know, football towns. So he brings the demographic that spends money at NFL shop who would go to these off-market team games. Like no one cares about the Jacksonville, the the Jaguars. This is a low risk, high reward for them. They're not a playoff contending team. They have nothing really to lose. So that's exactly why I feel this was the uh, a good move for Jacksonville. Nothing to lose but everything to gain. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Going from one, it's not even a controversy anymore. We, we know what it is. But from going from one kind of head scratcher or a funny moment, to another, the Kang <laughs> and and his eye patch ah, in wow. one eye. Let me make this three. <laughs> the pirate, the pirate king, <laughs> was in a hell of a game against the Warriors. Who are still um, going to make the playoffs? By the way, I'm going to say that right. what a game that was. Man, what a game 
that was. That was a hell of a game, I would have to say. First man I ever seen make a one-eyed three-pointer. I mean, I mean, outside outside of that, well, I think that – one second. I'm sorry. Uh, quick question. No, well, quick question before I, I get into to a long-term statement. Luck or, or skill for LeBron James? Matt – I mean, not Matt, because I was thinking Matt, because Matt is listening and he's in my head. But uh, Pete, luck or skill for LeBron? I think a little bit of both. I mean, when you got a shot like that in that in that in that time frame, in that moment, um, I think some of it is luck. You can't discount luck from it. I don't care how great of a player you are, you still need luck, um, especially with those big shots. Um, but. Part of it is also skill. And you know what I, what I really loved from the commentary team in that game was when he made that three, they brought up the fact that that was not something that you expected LeBron James to be able to do early in his career. And when you look at the evolution of LeBron James, that would not have been a shot that you would have been comfortable giving to LeBron James hey, early Jack. in his career. You know what's funny? Uh, a lot of people are putting money on the Lakers uh, to beat beat the Suns. A lot, there's a lot of money on the Lakers to beat the Suns in the first I round. We'll definitely talk about that. We'll definitely talk about that next yeah. because that that is that's in this particular topic. Tay, what are your thoughts? Luck or 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 that's that's the king. He could do that. That is the king. Okay, that is the king. Now. That was luck. <laughs> that was luck. And that was a hell of a flop beforehand. And that was the one thing that I did not like about LeBron, especially during his Miami days, those flopping. I had not seen LeBron flop that much since the American Airlines Arena back in 2012, 2013. That was a travesty. But let me, you know what I'm saying? Nick's, but, Nick's Heat, Tyson Chandler on that screen. Oh. Dying. Yes, I remember that. Oof. <laughs> Oof. But you know what? Let me tell you something. I will not stop saying that LeBron James is the greatest player of this generation. I feel as if, he, me personally, I think he's better than Jordan. I don't care what anybody tells me. I've watched both play live and in color. You get what I'm saying? It was old enough to really make that determination. But that Golden State Warrior team, like I told you guys at the beginning of the season, that Steph could really do it on his own. And he's showing us that we forget that that team changed the league. It did. So that wasn't going to be an easy game. That was an NBA Western Conference final that we got in one game. You get what I'm saying? That was game seven. That was game seven. And you give that – and you. but the thing is, you know what I'm most disappointed in? Anthony Davis looked softer than Charmin's. Draymond Green had his number. Lock up. He had his cell. He had his house, he had his pager, he had his email address, he had his grandma's address. That's how bad he had him locked up. He had him locked up so much he had to send him commissary. 
We say what you want about Draymond Green as a person, but that boy can play defense. Yo. And he knows how to play the psychological yeah. game, too. That's what's yeah. so interesting about Draymond. Draymond plays with people psychologically and messes them up and throws them off their game on the court. I can give you that, but I'm going to raise you the fact that Anthony Davis is soft, right? <laughs> Anthony Davis is soft. And He's too soft. He's too soft. This like, was the problem last year that made people worry that the Lakers weren't going to take it as far as they did. Let uh -huh. me tell you something. If the Lakers have any chance of making it past the first or second round, he needs to toughen up. He needs to be more of a defensive presence. He should not be shooting three-pointers. Man, we were in chat looking at – we were all looking like, yo, is he going to stop? Why is he shooting threes? Why said, isn't he – why isn't he mm -hmm. at the rim? I said why this though. Why is he even at the top of the key? Why is he there? It makes no sense to me. And no. I, I hate analytics. I hate analytics, analytics, because they make it seem like, well, you know, it's a three or a dunk, and that's the best shot. Anthony Davis is almost seven foot. Jeremiah Green is six six. Not six seven. Not not six eleven. Draymond Green is 6'6", six, six, two inches taller than Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley was, a, Barkley was a pretty decent defender, but Charles Barkley wasn't out here stopping Shaq or, or David Robinson or Akeem Olajuwon. Draymond Green is out here stopping Anthony Davis, who is supposed to be the number two player in the league, what people were saying. After people like forgetting about KD. Let's say number three. They're saying he's the number three Best player in the league. Because KD is balling. KD is balling. I give it to him. My thing is. Let me tell you something. If the hmm. Brooklyn Nets, I'm going to tell you something right now. And I'm going to say it right now. Yes. If they don't win the championship this year, they are going to be a bust of a team. I'm going to say that right now. I don't. They don't even have. They can't even afford to win it next year. To me. Right. Right. I don't want them to win. Yeah, I'm. I'm I, I, I want the Knicks to 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 take it far. The the Brooklyn Nets should sweep the first round. They five should five games second. Yeah, five games second. Mm -hmm. I'll give you six third. I'll give you six, and depending on the team, maybe seven in in the third round. That in should the, be the biggest competition they have. In the finals, unless you are going against a team, like if the Clippers ratchet, ratchet it up and play like dogs because Rondo and Boogie are there and they're actual dogs and, and you know, they wake up choosing violence every day, the whole team needs to wake up choosing violence for them to even be on the same level as Brooklyn to play them in the finals. Here's the thing. Here's the interesting but, thing about Brooklyn. Here's the uh -huh. interesting thing about Brooklyn. If – if the first round goes chalk, if the first round goes chalk, they play the Knicks in the second round. Um, if if the if the top seeds in each in each series wins, um, but I think a lot of people are expecting maybe Miami to pull the upset over Milwaukee, which would mean that it's not an upset. It's not an upset. Which would well seed wise. 
for, for me, for for us who, who've watched Miami right. and, and watched them, for us, it's not going to be upset. Everybody else is kind of like, if, they better if, not if beat Miami, them. If Miami beats Milwaukee, then it's Miami and the Nets in the second round. But I think a lot of people, okay, and maybe I'm maybe I'm uh, being a little Nate McMillan right now in saying that uh, the NBA wants Milwaukee to beat Miami because they want it to be the Knicks and the Nets in the second round. Because imagine what New York is going to be like. The Knicks they and the Nets. Milwaukee. They want Milwaukee to, to make it because of all that nonsense we've been hearing about Giannis for the past couple of years. That's what I'm saying. They want Milwaukee to win, and they want the Knicks to win because if the Knicks and Milwaukee wins, the Knicks are the lowest remain. Uh, the Knicks would be uh, – the, the Nets would play – actually, no, I apologize. Um, the Knicks would play Philly, and the Nets would play uh, Milwaukee. Um, so you, yeah, so it wouldn't be the Knicks and the Nets. The Knicks and the Nets cannot meet. I'm, I'm gonna tell you something the Nets don't want to see Miami and Miami at full health. They, don't let yeah. James G. Buckets, and I know what let the G stands for. Let me tell you something. I apologize for that. It'll be, it'll be the Nets, the Nets versus, um, the Nets versus either Milwaukee or, um, or Miami. Miami. Go ahead, Tay. The Brooklyn Nets, it depends on seating. But they don't want to see my they don't want to see Miami. And I think they'll have a tough time with Philly too. Depending on the round. Because you know Doc Rivers can't get past the second round to save his life. The only way they play Philly is in the conference finals. So if if they if if all the, the top seeds win, the second round would be Philly versus New York and Milwaukee versus Brooklyn. Um, if Miami beats Milwaukee, then it'll be the Nets versus the Heat and Philly versus um, Philly versus the Knicks. The only way out of it, uh, the only way, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think there's any way we get even Knicks and Nets in the second round because if, if no, it's no, way, it's no way. It's no way to get to the second round. The Knicks yeah. have to make it to the conference finals for 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 it to happen. And the Knicks have a bit of a challenge if they have to play. If they have to play Philly, but the good thing about the Knicks, the thing that Philly is the best at, the Knicks have an answer to stop that. <laughs> you got Nerlens Noel. I'm not saying Nerlens Noel is the world beater, but the Knicks' interior defense are top in the league. Nobody scores in the paint on the Knicks. They are number one in the league in paint defense. Joel Embiid is not a good three point shooter. He is not a good shooter in general. Ben Simmons stop, ain't a shooter. And Ben Simmons is not a shooter. If you box up and bead and get to the shooters, the Knicks should get past Philly. I'm not. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Uh-huh. That Tom Thibodeau team, that Chicago Bulls team back in 2010, 2011, injuries was the only thing stopping them from being the team that get out of the Eastern Conference. I do feel that Thibodeau may have some things up his sleeve defensively. The Knicks is one of the only teams on the West, on the East, besides Miami, that actually plays defense and plays it well. Brooklyn Nets, they don't, they do not play good defense. They don't play good defense. I'm sorry, but they don't. The Achilles Hill of the New York Knicks is if RJ Barrett is off. 
If R.J. Yeah. Barrett does not show up in, yeah, if R.J. Barrett does not show up in the playoffs, if the people who are the supposed supposed shooters on the Knicks, and I do use quotation marks because there's really one real shooter on the Knicks, and it's Bullock. If he does not, if they, the other people who are supposed to know how to shoot don't show up, the Knicks are dead in the water. You're not going to beat a team by only sco- scoring less than 100 points. Funny thing about it is, you brought up, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Ted. No, go ahead. Mm-hmm. You brought up Nerlens Noel. Mm-hmm. Funny thing is, he was one of the original process players in Philly. Nerlens was one of those original ones with Jaleel Okafor, Jaleel Okafor and Markel Fultz and all of them boys. And they had a thousand centers and then and, and people who couldn't play. Well, you know, Markel Fultz had a – Indeed, I believe it was third of the three because I believe it was mm-hmm. Okafor, Noel, and then uh, – and Indeed. Then it- they drafted all injury-prone centers and only one of them turned out to be something. Right. And then they had Simmons – uh, they had Fultz, and they had another guard, I believe, that they traded away. I forgot who, but um, yeah. they traded uh, Michael Carter-Williams. Right. Let me tell you something, too. Derrick Rose might really be an X factor in these playoffs. He has a lot to prove. He has a lot of redemption, and I think that he would prefer the, Nick, the Knicks making it to the Eastern Conference Finals than the Sixth Man of the Year award. I'm just saying. And I feel he might get Absolutely. screwed out of that, considering that he was only in New York for maybe half the season. Doesn't matter. They, I, the redemption story is big enough. I don't think he's – I'm going to be honest. And I know it, y'all may dis, disagree. I don't think he played better than Jordan Clarkson this year. I don't think so either. Right. I don't think he played better than Jordan Clarkson. So, in actuality, Jordan Clark. The thing is, and Joe Ingles didn't play bad off the bench either. So this is I probably think all gonna, three Knicks that are up for awards could get screwed out of all three awards. But I don't, I don't think they're going to get screwed. I think um, what's his name is going to get most improved. Uh, Randall's going to get most improved. He, he he's, def, he's definitely like if you count the MVP candidates, he's definitely number five. I could see and that he could have been number three if Steph Curry wasn't dogging. But go ahead, Pete. I could see them giving steam to Michael Porter Jr., especially considering the way he picked yeah. it up at the end of the year Absolutely. once Jamal Murray went down. So I could see I could see Randall getting screwed out by them giving it to Porter Jr. I could see, as you said, Clarkson getting it over Rose. And I could see Quinn Snyder or Monty Williams getting coach of the year over Thibodeau. But I think all three Knicks finalists for those awards are easily – should e- could easily win that award or should be the 1A candidate. But I honestly think the, the, uh, these three finalists, unfortunately, they're going to get nicked. They're going to well, get nicked. The question to that, that well, the, my question to that is, are we giving it to the Knicks because of, like Tay just said, the story of the New York Knicks resurrecting New York basketball or – are we giving it to them because these players were simply better than what they're going up against? Because you have to look at at weapons that other teams have. And you have to look at what the Knicks has. And I, I think me personally, looking at it in an in a objective point of view without even – I feel as if, if, if 
At least the most improved award don't come to New York, then it's a farce. Okay. I'll give you that. Anything else? Eh. You know, anything else, whatever. But Randall? Yeah. Yeah, the fact that Randall wasn't uh wasn't included in the MVP, and I can understand where you probably have Randall fourth in that voting category. Uh, but I, I would have loved to see Randall competing for MVP. Uh, I, I feel like he should get sixth man of the year as as a consolation almost, even because I think that man played an MVP. No, let me not say I think that man played at an MVP caliber level this year. Mo- you mean most improved, not six man. You mean <laughs> right, most improved. Right? Yeah, but Derek, like I said, the story of Derek Rose, man, I, you know, like I said, I know he doesn't want this six man. You know, not saying that you know, no, nope, everybody wants an NBA award, but like Tay said, getting to the conference finals and dare I say the NBA finals just to have a shot to play on that big stage. It's way bigger than, you know, a six-man-of-the-year award that he can get any time. This is not going to be Derrick Rose's last chance to get a championship. Like, people are going to want Derrick Rose this offseason, and I wouldn't be surprised if one of the powerhouse teams try to do something to get him. Like like a L.A., like a Clippers, uh, um, maybe even like a Utah who can use – another backup guard off the bench, maybe like a Phoenix, like something like that. Derrick Rose services are going to be definitely used in the next season. He can definitely, he, and I hope out of a lot of people, I love Chris Paul. I love Carmelo Anthony, but in my gut, I think Derrick Rose is going to be the first one out of those three to win a ring and because he'll be on a powerhouse team that that gets him there but let's talk about Kwame Brown now. what did that take I just see that yeah let's talk about Kwame Brown do we have to we do we do Kwame Brown basically long story short he felt offended because of the way Gilbert Arenas, and I'm and I'm saying Gilbert Arenas because Gilbert Arenas was doing most of the talking. Because of what Gilbert Arenas was saying on all of the smoke, I wish I had the clip, but YouTube will strike the video, so I can't have the clip. But he's basically saying that Jordan got in his heart, and he never, and Kwame Brown never recovered. That is the basis of the conversation. Kwame Brown never recovered while he was in Washington. Gilbert Arenas felt that he needed a new scenery to get out of the shadow of that. His new scenery ended up going to play with somebody who is Michael Jordan's protege, so that probably didn't help him either because we know how Kobe is. And then he ends up going back to Michael Jordan in in Charlotte. Does Kwame Brown have a, a legit grief that people are mention- talking about how he played and, and now I don't think any one of them said yeah he was garbage but d- does he have a legit grief Pete does he have a legit grief <laughs> listen I, I usually don't ever talk about Kwame Brown unless unless I'm talking about the, the, the worst players I've ever seen in the NBA or the best, biggest draft busts in the NBA. Um, but Gilbert you know, said he could have been like, he could have been no, like AD. 
No, no. <laughs> yeah, soft. Soft like Shaman, like 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 Queen Tay said. Kwame Brown could have been that. Um, listen, I, I don't want to hear nothing out of Kwame Brown. Uh, the man, the man averaged six point six points and five and a half rebounds um, a game. Right? The man, the kid should have gone to Florida. I'm sorry. He 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 originally was going to go play in Florida. Okay, and he should have went to Florida, but Jordan took him. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what? Kwame Brown's got to eat his words because you know what Kwame Brown told Doug Collins, okay? He said, if you draft me, you'll never regret it. I'm sorry. I think a lot of us regret it, okay? Um, I, I don't think his scenery was the problem. Yes, he got drafted by Michael Jordan. He was that big pick, first pick out of high school, you know, Big, big thing, right? All of a sudden, lofty expectations placed on his shoulders, okay? Then he went to L.A., okay? I know it had been a couple of years, but he's still stepping into the footsteps of Shaquille O'Neal, okay? You're playing again with Kobe Bryant. Not not easy places to play. But I'm sorry, Kwame Brown also played for the 2008 Memphis Grizzlies. He also played uh, two seasons with the Pistons, played a season with the Bobcats, with the Warriors, with the 76ers, and didn't do anything, okay? So at what point do we do we say, you know what, Kwame Brown needed a change of scenery? He got a couple of changes of scenery, okay? And as of 2011, the man was still making $7 million when he signed with the Warriors. Made, had a, a, in 2012, signed a two-year contract for $6 million. Okay, I, I'm sorry, man. I'm just like, the greatest thing, the greatest thing Kwame Brown ever did for the league was be part of the trade package that got the Lakers power assault. We too hard on Kwame Brown, y'all. I'm sorry. I think, I, I let me tell you something. Black media personalities and media personalities of color, you know what I'm saying? We have to be more responsible as to how we talk about Kwame Brown. He is somebody who overcame a lot to get into the league. He was a 17-year-old kid with the world on his shoulders, right? And had to stand in the shadow of two of the generation, one, two of the world's greatest players of all time, right? His skills didn't match up to that. And no matter what, even if he was even a little bit closer than where he was, living in that shadow was never going to allow him to become his own player. Right now, I feel like okay, being the number one draft pick, you would consider that a draft bust, but that's not, I don't think that's fair. You shouldn't have been drafting a 17 year old kid straight from high school who you really didn't know if he was going to work out or not. Period, you know what I'm saying? But I think that we need to hold the NBA accountable for that, hold Jordan accountable for that, keep that energy, you know what I'm saying, with that. Do I feel like Gilbert Arenas' comments were off? Not necessarily. I feel like he he responded to it very gracefully. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, Charlemagne went in. Jamel Hill went in. You get what I'm saying? And the thing is, this guy, he prefers to stay out of the spotlight. So let us let him continue to stay out of the spotlight. Was he a bust? You know, considering he was the number one draft pick, I, I would consider – the fact that his average and stuff like that did not put him to where 
we thought, or well, Jordan and them thought at the time he was going to be. But you know, am I gonna go in and be like, oh, he's this, oh, he's that, and I can't do that? That's not fair. And I'm not, I'm not gonna sit here, and I'm not going to crucify a black man on this podcast tonight. That did not ask me. He did did not do anything worth that. All he did was exist. All he did was was be compared to unrealistic expectations. If I was a player, and I'm I'm supposed to be coming under Jordan, that's a those are big shoes to fill. Kobe couldn't even fill Jordan's shoes to the league. Just being fair, was he a great player? Hell's no. Boom. Did he make $64 million in the NBA? Hell yeah. <laughs> he took care of his family. He Take took care of his family. Got his mom out the hood. Mm-hmm. He, that go, this goes back to the Ignite program like I was just speaking about. Getting a opportunity to get, you know, to make some money and, and get yourself and your family out of a situation is amazing. Now, in terms of the expectations, of course, he didn't he didn't live up to any expectations. And Tay is right in saying that, hey, you had to play under Kobe, you had to play, you got drafted and played with Michael Jordan. And we've watched, we literally sat and spoke about this documentary last year and saw how Jordan is with his teammates. I can only imagine how he was. Realizing that Kwame Brown, Kwame Brown wasn't the person that he thought he was getting. So, not just the NBA, but you have to put a lot of that on Michael Jordan for drafting such an, a raw talent, thinking that he was going to get something. And, and that's on him. Michael Jordan's been a bad general manager forever. So, like, we should have known that he was never going to get better from this. It was, let me tell you something, put more blame on Jordan being that GM or whatever the hell he was at that time than Kwame Brown. His eyes was obviously cockeyed. He didn't know what he was seeing. Because Isaiah Thomas and Pistons get slapping him in the head. And you know what? And, 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 and Gilbert Arenas, Gilbert Arenas, he also stopped running his mouth all the time. Listen, I honestly, this is this is where it gets weird. You know, when we talk about, like, you know, people talk about they give all the smoke, and they should, to, to Jim Cornette, right? I love when Jim Cornette talks wrestling history. But when Jim Cornette talks about the current product, I do not want to hear a word out that man's mouth. When Gilbert Arenas talks about basketball as a sport, when he talks about things in the game of basketball in terms of a coaching perspective, I love listening to Gilbert Arenas. When Gilbert Arena starts giving commentary on other players, when you yourself couldn't stay out of trouble, you yourself had maturity issues, where were you, leader of the Washington Wizards, Gilbert Arenas, to help Kwame Brown through all of this? But then you want to put all the blame on Kwame Brown at the same time. Gilbert Arenas, if you want to talk basketball, talk coaching, talk about the game. Talk about those things. He's a very smart man, smarter than I ever knew he was when it comes to talking about the game of basketball. But he needs to stop with the social commentary on other players before, unless he wants to point that proverbial finger backwards and start talking about his own career. And mishaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he, he definitely he – Talk about how about was the first player, first player 
waived on the NBA's amnesty clause. Teams couldn't wait to get rid of them. They were like, go. <laughs> hey. Y'all make some very valid points, especially that last one. Like, like I said, Tate, amazing point on, you know, not crucifying a young man, 17 years old, who, you know, had no – he really had no choice of where he was going to go. Really had no choice of where he was going to go. Nobody really has a choice of where they're going to go. And well, Pete, you know what was his biggest, the same the biggest thing. criticism people, things that people said of him? They said uh, his emotional maturity. He's a 17-year-old kid, 17, 18, yeah. 19 – 20-year-old kids, I don't care. Even 21-year-olds coming out of college don't have emotional maturity. And now you want to put them on don't the get emotional maturity to you almost 40 years old. There should be room. Right. You want to put them on an NBA team. You want to put a 17, 18, 19-year-old kid on a plane, flying to different cities every now, every day, being in hotel rooms unsupervised with millions and millions of dollars. Okay, especially sometimes a lot of these a, a, a lot of these kids come from lifestyles where they had that kind of money and that kind of status, and now you're putting that on a 17 year old kid, and you expect them to be able to make the right choices and and be a grown up, be a grown individual. Come on, come on, man. The NBA got to do better. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. I, and I hope they may learn from that. What Go starting this ignite program, and and you know not just the on court stuff. The players need the off court stuff, like therapy, like counseling to help get themselves money management. Money management help them get themselves prepared for the life in the NBA and life after it. Point blank. <laughs> Point blank. But y'all basically did, get, <laughs> did the smoke section format. We didn't even have to play play the thing. That was, the was gonna. Crap yeah. all over. <laughs> yeah, Matt was gonna let Kwame Brown have it. <laughs> oh man, he was still, he was still you know right. funny. Jordan drafted Kwame Brown. Jordan Adam, drafted Adam Morrison. Morrison. That's all we need to know about. Exactly. That's all we need to know about Michael Jeffrey Jordan. So, shout outs to the Job Tears Network. Shout outs to Battle Club Pro. This show is next. Sunday, Saturday. It's a two, uh, yes, two event day starting at three o'clock. The first show, the second show is at seven p.m. In all of this is in Ridgefield, New Jersey. Um, the link to the show will be on our page. Let us well just just go out there and support um, a good company and a lot of big things coming up from Battle Club Pro, of course. Shout out to Joaquin Morales. That is the man with the plan. I was just at the school the other day, and they have some great trainers there. They have some great oh, trainers. Beautiful facility, too. Yes, very beautiful. Um, is a lot of big things are coming out the Battle Club um, umbrella. I can't say I've sworn the secrecy, but we'll definitely definitely catch you guys up on that. Um, again, the Java Tears Network, the next viewing party is the day after the um, Battle Club show on the 30th. Uh, make sure you go to Legends. Um, all What's these wrestling on the thirtieth. All AEW's um, double or nothing. Double oh, or nothing. AEW's <laughs> double or nothing. Their second biggest pay per view. Well, their first ever pay per view. Um, Once upon a time, and their I guess their second biggest pay per view of the year. 
Uh, make sure you pop out to <laughs> the Legends Bar. Not everybody, but a lot of people. Make sure you pop up to Legends Bar <laughs> on the 30th. <laughs> um, again, the Job Tins podcast, two and a half bros, Sazon Talk, us at the Your Sports Show, uh, other shows under that. Tavius Tea Time, which was amazing the last time we had it. Thank you, Tay. Looking forward to another one. Uh, me and BK Matt will get together for the second episode of Brooklyn. You uh, Brooklyn and Matt don't need no more shows because y'all can't. He's always on load management. You, Dre Dollars, you're not going to have time. <laughs> we figured out. I don't got time for this sometimes, <laughs> but we make it work. Hey, we make it work. I'm we the busiest person on this planet. You are, and you make it happen. I'm proud of you. I, I Thank you. You do this. That's why you're the head of the table. <laughs> you put the money on our table. 7K Acknowledge table. me. <laughs> uh, shout out to, also, we're talking about acknowledgement. Shout out to Monteezy. More on that coming soon. I will not um, spoil that surprise for everybody, but shout out to Monteezy. So, anything else you guys want to add? Anything else that's coming out that, that um, I'm forgetting? Nope. Not in the near future, no. Uh, and my birthday's next week, y'all. All right. Hey! So, <laughs> you and my mama got the same birthday. Dre Day 30. Like it. Yeah, my daughter's birthday's next weekend, too. Yes. Our little niece's birthday is next weekend, too. So, a lot of things going on. Peter's mom's birthday next weekend. So, I can't wait, can't wait, can't wait. Um, we got an action-packed summer, guys. Um, So, four. BK Matt, who is on load management, and he will be back next week. For the voice of a generation, Pete Rosado. For the head of the Earth Sports Show table, the queen, 7K, Tay. It is your boy, Big Baby, signing off. True. Peace. Rest in peace, Pete.